0: Hey, this is Rob and that's Micaiah and you are listening to You Forgot One today on You Forgot One, The Miseducation of Lauren Hill. Micaiah, the Grammy winner for the best album of 1998. What do we need to know right up top about The Miseducation of Lauren Hill?
1: Well, uh, what most people should know um, and probably do is that this is the only solo studio album from Lauren Hill, um, which kind of makes a, a unique album for our listeners. before she was part of uh, the Fugees, um, and she's coming off of a, a great another one of the kind of the all-time great records, the score from the Fugees, which came out only a few years before that. Um, another thing people need to know contextually is that, uh, Lauren Hill is 22 when she starts this album and 23 by the time it comes out. Also, in that time, uh, is pregnant and has uh, her first son. And she does a lot of the recording in Jamaica. And that plays a big part of it because the musicians are also uh, from Jamaica. And also because that kind of drives the spirituality of the album. Um, it's actually recorded at the same studio that Bob Marley. Used to record. In fact, it is Bob Marley's son uh, who has, it was the father of her child. Um, so there, there are a lot of things um, happening in her life as a young 23 year old woman. And yeah, and then after this, you know, pretty much defies all genres, um, reboots music. I mean, like it, I mean, basically, this determines what music is gonna be from now on, really, I mean, like you know, just like the the kind of the the ethics maybe or the ethos rather of of reggae, the sound of hip hop infusing that with neo soul, I mean from here, right, you get everything from Kanye, who literally samples um Lauren Hill um. And everything, I mean, this is um, for maybe younger people, this is um, Lemonade about 20 years before Lemonade comes out, those are two very spiritually related albums. Uh, so I, I don't know that you get Lemonade without getting um, this record, um, yeah, but also looking at people like the Grammys have had a hard time with a genre like this, you know, at the same time. Uh, the same year, the Grammy, she's nominated for in the R&B category and she's nominated in like the hip hop category. And so the Grammys have kind of had this hard time with music like this. That's not strictly hip hop. It's not strictly RB or soul or gospel. Where do you put it? Where do we start calling this category? And um, they've kind of failed to categorize it. So it's been called urban contemporary, which people kind of reevaluated recently. And we like, well, that's not a really great name for it. Uh, you know, so kind of, opening up um, black popular music um, with just one singular record. Um, just kind of one and done, knock it out the park. And it's, it's kind of weird because after this, there's only like one other album. It's an MTV Unplugged that has new material. It's all live. Um, couldn't possibly follow up this record. And some people love it and some people don't. And it's, it's a fine record. Um, and then after that, doing a lot of tours that kind of fall apart, being really late to shows, canceling shows by not showing up at all. You know, it's been a complicated thing for people who are fans of this record and fans of hers, cause they don't get the experience of seeing her live and these songs live. And but luckily for the record, it's not trapped in nineteen ninety eight. This thing has persevered. I mean, this this record has longevity.
0: This is a phenomenal album and listening to it again this week. It, it, I mean, it it really is. There's not a bad track on it there. It is a 16 track album that, that flows perfectly. There was a, uh, a cover article that she did for, I want to say spin magazine after she won the Grammy for album of the year. And one of the things that I really took away from that article and in, in, in many ways has kind of informed the way I see this album is that the kind of genre hopping that she does on this album is, is something really kind of better understood as this is not a hip hop album. This is not an R and album. This is an album of 20th century. This is an album in celebration of 20th century, popular black music. And, and kind of seeing it that way that this is an album that is a celebration of things like uh, some of the best of New York hip hop. While also Mm -hmm. being a celebration of Aretha Franklin, like it, it, it's kind of doing all of the things. It is simultaneously um, carrying on this tradition of Motown, while also looking into um, hip hop and neo soul. It, it, It is this kind of benchmark of saying here's a little bit of something as we're coming to the end of that millennia, as we're coming, you know, late nineties, we're looking ahead into the next millennia. What are the two thousands going to be like? And it feels like Lauren Hill as a 22, 23 year old is saying, here's kind of the best of everything the last century has had to offer in, in terms of the music that has formed and informed um, her and kind of the the culture she's coming out of and and so it's one of the things that I really appreciate so that was that was in an article that came out in early 1999 and I think that's still how I see that album today 23 years later and i I think that's an astute way of looking at it and and so for me this is an album that i think is a great album that is made even better by the fact that there's not Anything to follow up with it. Like she she does that kind of perfect thing that we've talked about with so many artists. I mean, think of how many artists that we've talked about that their first album is their greatest album. And there's not many. There's not many. But her first album is knocks it out of the park. And it almost becomes that thing that I think we value this album better because she didn't she didn't give us a bunch of sophomore slumps. She didn't give us you know, four or five, six albums that couldn't live up to this. And so in some ways, like, even though it's a shame that we didn't get more from Lauren Hill, but I, I'm kind of grateful that she gave us this phenomenal album and really not much else. I mean, we do have the MTV unplugged. Um, she is, um, she's a, you know, she's together with a reunited Fugees on the Dave Chappelle block party. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, but really, we we don't get much more from her after this 1998 album. And, and again, I mean, she's she's just four years older than I am. I mean, so she's not even she's not even 45 yet. So this this is someone who we could still see more from. We could still hear more from. Everybody,
2: listen up. Listen up. There's been some technical difficulties. Listen, I'm gonna tell you what happened. As you all know. We were expecting to have Lauren Hill close the show. Unfortunately, Columbia Records would not clear any of her songs. Lucky for us, Lauren Hill came up with an alternative solution. Ladies and gentlemen, make some noise for a miracle.
1: The Fugees. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the block party thing because she was supposed to play as Lauren Hill and they've been promoting it as Lauren Hill, but because of copyright issues or something with her label, she couldn't perform as herself. So they actually uh, pointed to the documentary. Her idea was, well, while well, we'll just reunite the Fuji Fuge- uh, Fugees, which no one really thought was going to happen. And still now, like it, they said in like 2020, that's going to happen. And it's still kind of like, is it happening? Um, you know, but it, yeah, and incredible performances in that, that documentary um but yeah but this this album is great and uh i don't
0: want to take much more time talking about it in in terms of introduction uh because we have uh, an in-person guest for the very first time ever on the podcast uh my friend uh patrick Curtin is with us and so we're going to take a quick break and let you hear from our sponsor anchor and our independent record store of the week and then we will be back with our guest patrick Curtin. Hey, this is Rob, and I want to tell you about this week's independent record store of the week, Papa Jazz Record Shop in Columbia, South Carolina. Papa Jazz Records is located at 2014 Green Street, Columbia, South Carolina, 29205. You can reach them by phone at 803-256-0095. You can find them on the web at papajazz.com. Their hours are Monday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. and Sunday, noon to 5 p.m. Papa Jazz is the oldest and best record shop in Columbia, South Carolina, and we want you to go check them out today.
3: Mind when I call your name, All right, Kevin Charles, yeah. Jarvis Boykin, yeah. Alicia Simmons, yeah. Philip Valdez, yeah. Gabrielle Salado, yeah. um, Victoria yeah. Bradbury, yeah. Anton Mitchell, yeah. Shaquan Sutton, Corey yeah. Thomas, yeah. Taryn Lucas, yeah. Mia Caldwell, yeah. Telika Marshall, yeah. Lauren Hill. Lauren Hill.
0: Why don't you? Why don't you start us off to, for our listeners? Tell us uh, a little bit about who you are, uh, what what you, you know, what what you do musically, and okay. what is your relationship? What was your first exposure to this album? Okay, well, hello to the um, world at large. My name is Patrick Curran. Um
2: not just a SoundCloud rapper, I produce my own music. I can mix my own music and working on, you know, trying to create different content so that, you know, content creators such as Rob and Micaiah can um, can honestly have really cool outlets to, to do what we do best, which is talk about our craft, which is music and which is life. So that's that part. And, you know, to get into Lauren Hill and the miseducation of Lauren Hill, I've always been a Lauryn Hill fan since Killing Me Softly. Mm -hmm. So when it comes down to you now have the miseducation of Lauryn Hill, you pay attention. So since 98, 99, I've been a fan of this album and I've heard it in many different phases of my life. And this album truly stands the test of time. It's not just a hip hop album. It's not just a rap album. It's not just a reggae, neo-soul album. This is a album, period. Mm. Is this the greatest album of all time. Is this the greatest album of all time for a female. You can knock all of that off because of just of what it is. Mm. So on that front, that's where I'll say you know, for me and Lauren Hill, that's where our relationship starts. <laughs> okay.
0: So, so in, and in, in for our listeners, you, you grew up between New York city and and South Carolina. Yes. And uh, so, so talk to us, where were you in, in your life? Where were you living at the time? Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what was, what else were you kind of uh, digesting at, at the time? so that Lauren Hill kind of really came, you know, came to the forefront and really stood out because one of the things that we talk about that, that when we think about this album, mm-hmm. this is an album that really gets released at a very unique time in the history of hip hop music. And, and so for, yes. for our listeners, just something to remember, this is in the aftermath yes. of East coast, West coasts, rap rivalries this is in the aftermath of the death of tupac shakur and biggie smalls that's correct so help us understand where you were where you were as a fan of of hip-hop music help us understand where you were in terms of what was happening in the context of of the rap world what was it that makes lauren hill at this time stand out so much in comparison to everything else that's going on in the background let's talk about you know, 1998. 96 September,
2: Tupac is shot in Vegas. March of 97, Biggie, Christopher Wallace, for those who recognize, the only Christopher that we acknowledge, is, is gone in 97. So what happens now in the, in in the landscape of not just popular music, but hip-hop music? You now have a power struggle because 96 you have to release a reasonable doubt with Jay-Z by time 97, 98 comes around in my lifetime has released and the best out rap album of 1999 for the Grammys is five 2, hard knock life. I, in that whole grand scheme of things, I'm realizing that Mace is my favorite rapper, Mm. but Jay-Z is going to be the one. Right. So I'm not just looking at Lauryn Hill as one of the, you know, nowadays, as a lyricist myself, as an incredible lyricist. Mm -hmm. You hear Killing Me Softly, you hear one of the most angelic voices ever.
3: Strumming my pain with his fingers Singing my life with his words Killing me softly with his song Yeah, yeah. This is cleft
2: And 90. And that came out 95,
0: 96.
2: Mm-hmm. I'm nine, 10 years old. Yeah. At nine, I'm picking up a pen for my own self to write. So this, this era in time informs a lot for me mm-hmm. and others like me. Yeah. So when you get to that place, it makes you realize there there's something special happening here. And 98 is not just an important year for Lauryn Hill in hip-hop. It's an important year for just rap, period. Mm-hmm. There's a mm-hmm. lot of debuts that are coming out, too. So we can get to that as well. But in that whole thing that draws me to Lauryn Hill is if you're a hip-hop fan already, you already heard the score. You mm-hmm. already heard, you know, "Killing Me Softly." For me, at that time, eight nine years old, I'm not yet on blended off reality. Mm-hmm. I'm not on the first album, you know. For those of our youngest that are listening, the score isn't the mo- only seminal Fuji album. There's mm-hmm. one before it, yeah, right. So when you get to that point, I realize that I'm listening to someone that actually I can can trust as a child. Like, oh, this person is good. Mm-hmm. And you know we could talk a little bit more about that. I don't want to spoil all the fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Nineteen ninety eight also Equimani by Outcast. Yeah, yes. there we go. Right. So there's also the moment right where the East Coast and West Coast is imploding, maybe, uh, and then the South is also rising up at this time. Of course, not just Outcast. You have Underground Kings and all sorts of people and Ghetto Boys. But yeah, Equimani. You know, it's a huge album that gets. Only Rosa Parks, I think, is nominated at the Grammys that year, right? So it's still not getting, you know, Southern Hip Hop's not really getting also at the same Grammys, Will Smith wins best rap song of the year for getting jiggy with it. Yes. Uh so you know it's kind of just even though that. even Lauren Hill, Her- even though Lauren Hill gets album of the year, there's still some funky stuff happening. <laughs> um at the Grammys, but and,
0: also and the the recording the the Recording Industry Association of America that puts the Grammys together is is historically
1: irrelevant. I mean, they just are yeah,
0: irrelevant, but 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 behind the times. And always. so, I yeah. mean, when you go back, I mean, 1989 is the first time that rap actually appears as a category in the Grammy Awards. In Will Smith wins the first the the first rap Grammy in, right. in 1989. And the award isn't even televised until 2000. Yeah. Until, until 2000. Mm -hmm. And there was some pushback, even the year that, even this year that we're talking about 1998, those 1990, those, those February, 1999 awards. I mean, that, there was some real pushback because you have these great artists, these great rap albums that come out that year, and they're not even
1: televising the category. Right. Yeah. Well, the well, there's another thing about that, too. And this isn't necessarily for the podcast, but hip hop award shows had a really bad rep. Like, I, um, I went yeah. back and watched like every Halloween Horror Nights for The Simpsons. Yeah. and There's like a four year stretch where there's like a Source Awards joke. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> for like every year, The Simpsons. Like, but it. But there was just like a lot of you know drama at the you know at these award shows. Um you know, so people the Graham was probably just, people were dying us or because because yeah. it was really this
0: kind of place mm-hmm. where the the east the east Coast west coast rap rivalry that was its largest stage every year was, was the source awards. And then it became, no matter who won, it became an opportunity to air out beef or to, or, 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 or to, you know, it now it's more bragging rights over which coast is better. Let me speak on that.
2: For those who don't have context of the source awards for hip hop, that was the only national award that the culture had. Mm -hmm. so where do you air out grievances amongst family at home so the real beef didn't start like as far as the drama didn't start until 95 that same year as we talk about Equimini you have Andre Three Stack stepping up on that stage saying the South has something to say and getting removed. and you just won Best New Artist. It was backlash from the East Coast, West Coast thing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It was pretty brutal to just be in a room full of people that's, that don't even really, really care about what you do. So what's up, Dre?
2: Pressure can either bust pipes or create a diamond. And what Andre said when he got on that microphone, created a diamond. But it's like this though. I'm tired of folks. You know what I'm saying? The closed-minded folks. You know what I'm saying? It's like we got a demo tape and nobody wants to hear. It, but it's like this: the South got something to say. That's all I got to say. Now we can go in. Let's go a little deeper. Let's talk about the concept of the title of the Miseducation of Lauryn Hill. Yes, I can kind of speak to that because this is the community I'm coming out of. The miseducation of that is here's the stereotype you put a bunch of black and brown people together, there's going to be some drum. Mm -hmm. The truth of the matter is the real East coast, West coast beef didn't get started or as far as escalating until after that night.
1: Yeah. And I want to say something else about the title too, Mm -hmm. while we're still sticking to this record, right? Right. That it's not the uneducated Mm -hmm. Lauren Hill. Right there, there's an important difference there. She's not uneducated, right? Right. It's the miseducation, right? Right, uh, which is an, a, an important distinction to make. Um, and and there's there are a number of things about that. Mm-hmm. You know, has she been being miseducated on on romance, um, being miseducated on, you know, your place. Um, in your community, and that could be like your geographical community, the hip hop community, the group, the Fujis, right, there, there are a bunch of different kind of groups, right, that you're associated with um, as an artist and a black woman, right, for Lauryn Hill, you know, so uh, miseducation in terms of, you know, what she's capable of. Right. Right? Like, Oh no, you have to be one third of something. You can't just go out and do your own record. Mm -hmm. And that was a problem too. Right. Cause even Wyclef was like, well, I'll produce the record. And then she's like, no, I, I'm going to do this. Right. I'm writing it. I'm producing it. I put in the, the team together, you know? So, um, and also miseducation in terms of right. Um, and we're jumping ahead here, but when she gets pregnant, you know, people are saying, think of your future. Think of your career. This, right. These are basically lyrics in the song. You need to have an abortion. Yeah. If you if you want to make it, if you want to be happy, if you're to be successful, you have to get an abortion. Now that's, there are a couple of things there, right? That uh, the miseducation on what success is, on what the expectations for a woman are, right? There, there are a lot of things that are happening in this album about what miseducation actually means. It doesn't have to do, nothing to do with being uneducated, Right but just um, relearning things about who you are, right? right? Your essential self, as like Thomas Merton would put it.
2: If you don't mind, let me piggyback on that. Please. Let's, 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 let's take it from another angle, because the miseducation of Lauren Hill is an adaption of a book already, The Miseducation of the Negro of Carter G, um, by Carter G. Woodson. Mm-hmm. It's not just a miseducation on her side. She is literally becoming the teacher because the miseducation mm-hmm. of the Negro is then written from someone who's being miseducated. It's being written by an educator. Mm-hmm. So, in the midst of Tosiah, she's telling this story. I'm telling you this so you can hear what's happening behind closed doors, the things that I can't tell you when you see me smiling in front of your face when you're snapping the camera. Let's think about lost ones. This like, is her like. literally saying, this is the warning. This is the moment. When you thought that this is just gonna be me making some little album. No, 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 no. You might just won one, but you just lost one. Mm-hmm. Might win some of those, but you lost this one.
3: It's funny how money changes situation. Uh, Miscommunication leads to complication. Uh, My emancipation don't fit your equation. Uh, I was on the humble you on every station. Uh, Someone play young Lauren like she done. Uh, but remember not to game the one under the sun. Uh, Everything you did has already been done. I know all the tricks from bricks to kingstown. Like uh, ting Dong major king down, uh, Now understand uh, El Boogie, uh, not Viola. Uh, but different thing test me, run for me Way since creation, a groupie car, you far from temptation. Now you want over separation. Tarnish my image in the conversation. Who you going scrimmage like you the champion? You might win some, but you just lost one. You might win some, but you just lost one. You might win some, but you lost one. One you might win some, but
2: you want one. One you might win some, but you just lost one. And and that's the general concept throughout the album. Just like since you brought it up a little early, like you said, the pregnancy that takes a huge, you know, strength of character to be able to bear your soul in America, not just in the world, mm-hmm. in America in 1997, 1998, which at that time, even somewhat to me now, is still hard for black and Brown people to do. Mm. Because not only do I need to be strong in front of you, I don't have the luxury of losing it. So mm-hmm. it, so when you think about the miseducation of Lauryn Hill, that's why I say it's not just a hip-hop album. It's not just a pop or, or a rap album. This is an album, point-blank, period.
0: Because if I said it right the first time, I don't have to repeat it again. Mm-hmm. The cultural impact, yes. what, what, what she's doing on this album is it elevates it beyond. Here's just 16 songs. Yes. That that this is in many ways, a, a kind of 1998 cultural touchstone. Here's 22, 23 years old. Here's all of me. Right. And in some ways there's kind of, there's kind of nothing else to give. And, and I love you mentioned, mentioning lost ones. Mm-hmm. It's It's almost like she's saying like, here's what I'm going to give you. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not selling my soul to give you anything else. That's like, right. like here's, here, here's, here's what I'm giving you. I'm putting me first, right? I'm putting my, my, my mental health, my spiritual health, my, my physical, mm-hmm. the, 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 the life of my son, I'm, I'm putting all of that now ahead of, I'm going to, you know, I, I I'm going to win more awards and, in stack up more cash. And right. It, so it, it, I mean, in, in some ways it, it becomes this statement of unbelievable maturity. Yes. And also just as soon as you said something
2: about mental health, it is a, at some point staggering premonition. Hmm. You, you made mention of it, uh, Micaiah, in in the intro of, you know, how, you know she started becoming late to dates canceling shows things of that nature i fight off our music listeners and i may butcher the name of the song this is a friend of hers that's on the outside speaking to that situation i'm saying i need you to come out of mm. Miss Hill, you got skills, that's a gift, it's real. Get ill, what
3: you spit, got the power to uplift the hill. I wish I could talk to Lauren, I mean,
2: excuse me, Miss Hill. and let her know how much we love her, it's real. The industry was beating her up. Then them
3: demons started eating her up. She need a savior that'll bleed in the cup, yup. We used to kick it in the salad days, but she look at me like she don't know me when she see me nowadays. I nod you, nod back, that's how it stays. A song still better than anything out there, how the power play. Remember how they accused her saying
2: she did an album without help? She went to Rome to sing and tell the Pope about herself Just after she left the Fuji Started rolling with the Marlies Got back with a crew at Dave Chappelle's block party She made songs about Zion and trying to be faithful to Black Star on tour through Europe i so grateful I'm speaking for myself but I'm sure I can speak for Dante I got to watch a show with Nina Simone and Harry Belafonte We used to chill in a queue Her mom's was a customer She used to love to buy the books by Octavia Butler
3: Parable of the Sower. the main character's name was Lauren What the album did for black girls Self-esteem is so important I got
2: concern with she for someone so strong at 22, 23, what happens when the industry hits? When life, the biggest heavyweight, hits? Mm-hmm. Your, your relationship with Rohan Marley isn't going so well. Shows ain't coming the way they're supposed to. Things are all good just a week ago. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? So, And, I, and I'm just speaking off of conjecture. This is just like what we're doing right now. We, we, we see what was given and what we have. But when you start as an artist, start to think about what another artist is going through, you, you, you begin to realize how much of, not just a cultural touchstone, mm-hmm. this album is, this is a blueprint. You literally are taking something that will never ever happen again. Literal lightning in a bottle and put it into 16 tracks, Mm -hmm. which for those of us that understand the recording process, that's a 16 of many songs. We don't know, we may never know some of the things she recorded in Jersey and in Jamaica.
0: let me kind of move this in, in this direction because you, you mentioned, you mentioned the idea of, of kind of this album becomes a, a blueprint in some ways. And I, I think that's a, that's, that's an especially uh, weighty word considering mm-hmm. the era of music we're talking about and the album that Jay-Z is about to release. So let me, let me put this question to, to both you and Micaiah. Mm-hmm. What is the influence here? We are now in 2022 for an album that came out in 1998. So this album's been out 24 years now. Mm-hmm. What is the lingering influence of this album on, on music today?
1: I look at it it's like immediate impact, you know, um, she's coming at the same time as, you know, D'Angelo and, and Erica Badu and Baduism, I think, is the year before this. So they're all, there's, there's a really tight community. This this kind of neo-sulting that's happening that's integrating more with hip hop. Um, James from the roots um, is on this record and the roots are going to put together D'Angelo's voodoo um, D'Angelo's on this record and they're very close. They have a really tight relationship, you know? Um, so there, there's a really tight thing that's happening. And D'Angelo is another one who shows up one album per decade, makes a masterpiece and then goes away for a little while. You know what I mean? Um so there, there's that like the neo soul side of thing, but then there's also the way it changes hip hop in a couple of different ways. Um, Outcast after this um, opens up hip hop; as not just strictly rhymes, but like especially like Entree 3000 in particular, right, starts experimenting with like, okay, so I can I can sing more. I don't always have to be rapping, right? So that immediately happens on Sanconia, but definitely on the Love Below speaker box love below. Right. And then a couple of years after that, Kanye, you know, very inspired by gospel music. Um, very inspired by Lauren Hill right? she's sampled, right. Um, like people like Kanye, very clearly inspired. Kanye is producing for Jay-Z, right. So this, this is a sound, this is a vibe that is, you know, going across, um, multiple genres for, for years to come. Uh, and I, I mentioned it earlier, but like it's also the lemonade of the '90s.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I I don't think you get um, the career that like Frank Ocean and SZA have without this kind of precedent. That this kind of thing is is possible, right? right? That it works and that there there is an audience for it, and that it is, you know right there there's a there's a way to make this kind of art that isn't strictly one thing, right? Yeah.
0: I, I really love that you mentioned Frank Ocean because that's mm-hmm. that's the thing I've been thinking a lot about this week in trying in trying just to like place this album and again I I think this is this is probably telling of the era of music we came up in mm-hmm. is that I'm I'm constantly looking for a box to put it in which which I I don't think is I, again I think what Lorne Hill does. Is I think she's one of a handful of artists over the last 20 years that have really broken down all those barriers and walls of it needs to fit neatly in this, in this box. But in my mind, trying to be like, man, what is this album? Like, what comes to mind is, is Frank Ocean's blonde be, be, just because it's, it's so many of that it's so personal, so mm-hmm. intimate. So, you know, such a, such a clearly uh, worn, influences they're wearing on their sleeve and yet what comes out is this thing that is kind of wholly unique in and unto itself and so i i'm really glad that you mentioned frank ocean i see a lot of Mm -hmm. that influence there as well
1: yeah i mean bringing vulnerability to hip-hop is is huge another thing about the fact we haven't talked about is the fact that it's live musicians also. Yeah. Right. It it has those hard Mm -hmm. beats that the boom, bap beats and everything, but it also has musicians in the studio as a band, you know? And I think that is, is huge. And there's a, there's a big appeal for that. I think that's also why the Roots, who are who have been making records for years before this, I think that gives them a new audience also because this record becomes more popular than anything the Roots had done up to this point. So I think it is a a door for a lot of people to. I mean, this record like goes gold pretty quickly and it's diamond now. You know what I mean? So this this for a lot of people who have this record or exposed to this record, I think it is a doorway to a lot of other music, whether that's the hip hop route, the neo soul route, right? Whichever way you want to take it, depending on what it is about this record that grabs you, you know, it invites you to learn a lot more about a bunch of other, you know, styles and genres and artists.
2: It's not that neo soul and hip hop and reggae weren't being done. They were being done from the jump. Let's not forget about the founder of hip hop. Cool. Herc, is from Jamaica, right? Right. So when we get to that point, we're already putting Neo soul into uh, soul at that time, funk at that time, rhythm and blues at that time. Hip hop has always been a genre of just a position. We've always had to come in through the back door when we couldn't get a string or a string ensemble or a wind ensemble to play what we needed. But we found out that, you know, Kool Herc and Flash, they know how to do the round around. They know how to loop things. They understand the science now. That's where you start actually getting to a place where you start to see that hip hop isn't just a music. It is a culture. It is a art form. You're pulling from something. What you get from the um, influence from that album going into today is literally no one's afraid to try something because even up to that point the record industry became formulaic there's a formula there's still to this day a formula how to make create even down to how you mix a hit record
1: well that was Rockefeller records whole thing right they they had like there has to be like this many verses the, uh, like you have to have a feature come in kill it and you have to have a hook that happens and you have to have it like in the first like 30 to 90 seconds, you have to have the hook come in. So that that's how much like they had it down to like, this is how long people will listen to it on the radio. You got this long to win them over. So Rockefeller is really kind of like that, like hip hop hook machine.
0: Right. I th- and it's also in that period of time that like, not mm-hmm. only do you have this kind of very formulaic rap that's happening, but it, and again, some some of it's an access thing. Yes. But you know, Hype Williams really becomes the first kind of famous, you know, almost exclusive hip hop music video director. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you you end up with, you know, 30, 30 videos by Hype Williams that all essentially dress everyone the same, same right. fish islands, yeah, like fish so island. so you in, you end up having not just songs that are that are similar in their formula but their their packaging of the time and again this is this is an area this is an era Mm -hmm. where mtv is still really big and and kind of that you know breaking out into a larger audience is really dependent upon how well you do in in you know kind of trl uh you know during during that era and so you have all that going on and everything kind of all looks the same kind of sounds the same is all kind of packaged the same right and here's lauren hill
3: Talking out your necks saying you're a Christian I'm A Muslim sleeping with the gin Now that was the sin that did Jezebel in Who you gon' tell when the repercussions spin Showing off your ass cause you thinking it's a trend, girlfriend Let me break it down for you again You know I only say cause I'm truly genuine Don't be a hard rock when you really are a gem, baby girl Respect is just the minimum When you still defending them now Lauren is only human women in Philly pen, it's silly when girls sell their souls because of sin, look at where you be in, hair weaves like Europeans, fake nails done by Koreans, come again. and don't
2: is this opens up the door for people such as you know Aretha Franklin to have another sound back
1: yeah Lauren Hill is a is up against herself at the Grammys that year for her song and the song she wrote for Aretha
2: And CeCe Winans and Whitney Houston mm-hmm because you get to that point where even the production techniques were different. She'll tell you on those sessions she ordered every single instrument that she dreamed and wanted. She had a or she had a harp, she had timpani, she had all these different types of instruments to work with. You're still you're in the transition of tape to Pro Tools. Pro Tools at that time is 10 years old, so they're not just at this point putting stuff on the computer now, you're still recording to tape, so I still have to record maybe a first or two into my song before I go back and record it again the recording technique is different the mix is different the thought process is different it gives you an ethos as to okay, let's change the sound a little bit Mm -hmm this is where that thought of nostalgia wanted to come back. People were always grabbing for something nostalgic. Well, okay. Let me show you what this music, once again, 20th century popular Black music sounds like where it's going to. Once again, it's not just me being misunderstood. It's me showing you what you're misunderstanding.
3: Mm -hmm. Now the skies could fall, not even if I should call The world it seems so very small Cause nothing even matters At all Seems nothing even matters Seems nothing even matters at all Nothing even matters Nothing even See, matters, matters at all you love makes me feel ten feet tall Without it, i go through with withdrawal. Because nothing even matters at all. Nothing even matters. Nothing even matters at all. Nothing even matters. Nothing even matters. Nothing These matters buildings
2: could out. <inaudible> Columbia and Rough House Records, which, for those of you young folks that are listening, now, that sounds so weird saying young folks, right? <laughs> um, now, listening, Rough House is one of the, the early hip hop labels. That So, you're talking about a grand, like a mainstay in hip hop, where you talk about what this album, this what label this album is pushed through. But Columbia gave her the ability we're going to let you do what you do. You haven't done anything stupid thus far, so we trust you to do what you're going to do. Does not let us help you to do that. So when you allow someone to have that much creative freedom to explore the way that you explore, that's when you get albums like "The Miseducation of Lauryn Hill." That's where you get "To Pimp a Butterfly." That's where you get "Take Care." Mm. You, I know,
0: no, but I think I think that's I think that's a, a a point for us to mention, which is the idea that the score is a phenomenal album yes in a huge album but but yeah. that being said I, I i do think there's something to mention here which is that lauren hill has an incredible amount of creative freedom on miseducation of lauren hill the fuji stuff is as as gifted as she is as as extremely talented as she is it still feels like she's playing second fiddle the white i
1: mean every group needs a leader i mean it's like you know i mean it's like that's not groups it's always hard with, with a group act just like determine like oh like well who came up with this who came up with that who's driving this who's driving that like just like impossible i mean it's like like what tribe is like okay well how much was like tip producing versus like uh he muhammad or you know like like who you know who's writing what lines or you know it's just like it i mean it, it doesn't really matter it's, it's it's difficult to know with with group acts exactly how those power dynamics break down until like the tell all book comes out the oral history
2: (laughs) yes i'm sorry this by the way is the miseducation
1: of lauren hill essentially i mean especially those first couple i mean like the first like four to five tracks is deep i mean lays out pretty much everything you need to know about lauren hill at that time uh, between relationships with clef, the children. Um, because I think of like the fifth track, if you don't cut the intro, it's like Superstar. So like her take like on the state of hip hop. So like the whole album is right there in the first five tracks, right? If you, if you're, if if the, at that point, you're like, what even is this? Like, well, then you've, you've been sleeping on it. You missed it because it's all laid out quite clearly right there with the introduction and the interludes with the classes. Right. I mean, right. it's the, 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 it's, it's a whole picture right, right away. You know what I mean? Like and it is consistent throughout about like what this, that's what makes such a, a tight record is that, you know, it's, it's, it's a fully realized statement from start to finish track to track, you know, and, and interludes can really, bring down a hip hop album, sketches and interludes. Um, but this might have the most effective use potentially.
0: Yeah. Oh, the intro was phenomenal. I mean, the, the, the yeah. I mean, the for, for an album with this is its theme and this is its title, the, the intro couldn't be better. And I think the intro leading into what, what essentially is the opening track I, I, it's 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 a <laughs> flawless exit it's a flawless execution of something that by this point in 1998 had really become. Um, and you and I have talked about this, Micaiah, Like the the skits and interludes in in rap albums. By the time you get to the the late 90s, it was so overdone. And uh-huh. I mean, uh, it makes. I'll it
1: tell be- you exactly who killed them was Eminem.
0: No, 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 no. Master P did. Oh. No.
2: We got some very intelligent women in here, man. Do you think you're too young to really no, love somebody? No. no. no, no, no. Wow. Let's say can't. it for me. If I'm an adult. i say, wait, you're too young to be in love. This is silly. You're infatuated with him. You got nice jeans. You wear fancy Adidas. I mean, it's about to be something I don't know. <laughs> it's a difference from loving somebody and being in
3: love with somebody.
2: Well, you That's tell like, me. What's the difference? Okay. What's the difference?
3: Sure okay, Shan, so you You can love anybody from like this, you
2: for what he understand, she is, no matter what he or she room, like, or he or she and you break down these concepts of love in every which way so it doesn't become a skit almost It yeah. the conversation that you need more context to
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: because like you said, you know you, in the first five actual songs, you get superstar right at the end of those five but one of the most underrated songs and beats. Of that, a whole album is final hour. Mm. Oh yeah, this is when yeah, yeah. Even in lost ones, you you hear the MC, Lauren Hill, but in final hour, you hear the lyricist. Mm-hmm.
1: That's
2: what makes it such. That's what makes this album one of those that you know what. Now that we're doing this on a podcast, imagine how many people are drawing up a curriculum of this album.
1: Oh yeah. Oh, there are entire podcasts that are just this album. You get what I'm saying? So, you know, when you really do
2: something like that, I don't think even you as the creative understand the tonnage of that.
1: Mm -hmm. I think that's true.
2: You know, even to this day, I don't think Lauren Hill even truly understands the magnitude. Even up until I would say August of last year, When, when she went diamond,
1: Mm -hmm.
2: like when you go diamond like that, not just in your country, but the whole world that, that does something to your psyche that shows you after 20 to 25 odd years, you are literally seeing people say, Hey, we love you. Mm-hmm. the same thing that made her come to shows late and stop showing up to shows is the thing that, Hey, even if we couldn't tell you this in person, we're going to tell you by the numbers.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, so let's, let's, let's talk about this then. Not, not in order of what you think is the best, but in order of how they appear in the album in in, in their chronological order in the playlist, what are the five? What is? What are your five favorite songs on this album? Would you oh. do you have yours? Yes, I do actually.
2: From order to of appearance, you have Lost Ones, mm-hmm. X Factor, Dua, Okay, um, Superstar, Final Hour.
3: so tired. Accept her oh.
1: so let's let's hear yeah mine's almost identical lost ones um because like patrick said like it's just what just such a great opener and i think i always pick an opener when we do these lists and this is an exceptional one it just goes so hard it goes so much harder than i I, i
0: don't know that we've ever done an episode where you haven't picked the opener
1: i think you're right um but but to go that hard and then give us x factor yes like yeah so that's that's my number two is x factor which is just so good i mean that that's such a perfect picture of like what the album is just like those two songs uh and then Do wop of course Uh and then i i have nothing even matters yeah. with featuring d'angelo mm-hmm. um because nothing even matters to me like looks forward while everything else is kind of like either looking back or very rude in the present. This one seems to be like really looking forward to what music is going to sound like in the next few years, particularly right. Angelo's, Angelo's voodoo. Um, Cause he's working on it like at the same time, but that's kind of, I thought that made my list like make sense to also include that. Um, and then everything is everything.
0: For the first time in the history of doing this podcast,
1: you and I have an identical five oh wow wow because i i made some swaps and i i did some wow yeah everything that it goes from nothing even matters to everything is everything yeah is another just like great yeah they'll like two songs next to each other x factor transition right
0: and then nothing even matters everything is everything like those those two pairs and then do up That's I'm I'm exact. Those those are my five as well. Wow, this has never happened for us. I know. So I mean, this is this is really saying something.
2: This is actually a really cool episode. The first in-person interview. Uh-huh. Yeah, a lot of first year. Cool top five.
1: What is this? I tell you. And, like the miseducation of Lauren Hill. This will probably be the last time we do this. <laughs> <laughs> um
2: yeah, that, that's not
1: let's not say that because you, <laughs> you don't want to put no that. we'll do we'll do a live episode. Um and then yeah, that, then that'll be our last. But cause I at one point I almost had every ghetto, every city. Uh, oh, because because it's straight up stevie wonder like yeah. 1972 1978 era stevie yeah and i you know so like i was just like oh i like i love stevie so i love this but i was like that's not a, that's not a good enough reason so, so I, I, I i will say another uh,
0: what what would be my six and seven if i was doing it okay okay another is another pair of songs that i love how they work together is when it hurts so bad into, mm. I used to love him. Mm-hmm. And and also we haven't even mentioned it okay. yet. Come on. Mary J. Blige is on yes. I, I mean, yeah. Uh, but, but hearing Lauren Hill, who's, who's not just who, who as we've demonstrated on the last one, like she's not just a great MC, not just a great singer, not just a great producer, but hearing her with Mary J. Blige, yes. who is, I mean, a historic voice. And in hearing the way that this 23 year old at this point kind of holds her own with Mary J. Blige is, is just phenomenal. But, but I love, again, I love those kind of pairs of songs and we we get a few of those, we get a few of those kind of pairs of songs on this album that, that work together. But again, I think that speaks to how well it is. It is sequenced as an album
2: and well-produced as well, Mm -hmm. because if you listen to, I used to love Him," you can hear cream. Mm Mm-hmm you know, uh, in there as well. So just the hip-hop elements of it. Let me let me say something. This might be me being geeky mm-hmm. about it. There are a lot of technical mistakes in terms of the recording and tracking of this album. You can hear where she's a little behind on the beat of... Uh, uh, or mm-hmm. it's not even on the main vocals, it's on the ad-libs. It's on the double vocals. And you start to realize this is what makes it human. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when you said nothing even matters. That's one of the songs that as a musician, I should have named. You don't just get great lyrics and great, you know, tonal harmonies. The core progression is enough to make those who are moved by core progressions cry. Mm-hmm. because there's uh-huh. certain chord progressions that hit the right way and that the right velocity hit your ear a certain way. Clucks on your heart a certain way. Yeah. And nothing even
0: matters. It's full of it. So I just had to be geeky about that part. <laughs> well, uh, we Patrick, we want to thank you so much for being with us. And mm-hmm. thanks, for, thanks for doing this. This has been, this has been a real treat. We, we always like to close our interviews with, with one question, but before we get to that question, okay. there's, there's something I thought for sure would come up in this episode that, that hasn't yet, right? which is that you have had the experience of, uh, of, of playing in a, a, a marching band yes. at an HBCU. Yes. So you played, you played, Drums at South Carolina State. No, 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 no. you got it way Um, twisted. I'm I'm way wrong. (laughs) Way wrong. I played the tuba. You played the tuba at Benedict College. At Benedict College.
2: So, so, so you 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 took not one rival, which is the drums, (laughs) but you took two rivals and just totally switched them. (laughs) <laughs> shout out to the people out at, at, at South Canada state, the marching one-on-one That's all love, but there's nothing like the Benedict college band of distinction. So if those of you who are listening, go BCBOD. Well, um,
0: yes. I so have. so mm-hmm. let me ask this. You were, you were playing mm-hmm. in, in the Benedict college marching band. Yes. When this album celebrated its 10th anniversary. Yes. Here's my question. Yes. For, for our listeners, uh, what is what is true is of all the guests we've had, i think you are the very first who has had the experience mm-hmm. in, in in a unique experience but an experience that has played a huge role in informing for lack of a clearer way to say it let let's say it has been informing black music has been right. has been informing soul jazz hip hop all those mm-hmm. the band experience at h b c u yes in, in what ways has that informed, in what ways has that influenced popular music today? And how do we hear some of that influence? Or do we hear that influence on this album? I, I would say when you get
2: to the HBCU band world, and this is just my conjecture, right? You have the ability to take popular music of the day and turn it into music that now becomes standards. I won't say that there's a heavy HBCU influence on this album, but this album has had multiple influences on HBCU bands. Hmm. It's literally the one thing that we kind of can gloss over, but we can't. When we want to talk about popular black music, it's the idea of cultural appropriation. You don't get one without the other. Mm. Unpack that a little bit for us. Just like you, just like the the rule for you forgot one. You don't get the miseducation of Lauren Hill without school. You don't get you know album of the year by Lauren Hill without having the year that hip-hop itself happened. Not just rap hip-hop, but R&B is hip-hop as well. What do we call Mary J. Blige? The queen of hip-hop soul. It all works together. Hmm. You can't have one without the other. You can't enjoy the music
0: and then push away the culture. Hmm. Well, Patrick, we like to end every conversation here. Okay. We are, Makai and I are fans of list making. We are, we are, uh, this is a podcast in many ways that grew out of the idea of two friends who had the habit of at the end of every year texting each other our best of the year lists. Okay. What are your. Top five albums. Now this can be anything. This can be the albums you think are your personal favorite, your, your, your top five favorite albums. This can be what you think are the best five albums ever made. Okay. This can be just the five albums you're listening to lately, or this can be five, maybe underappreciated albums that you want to introduce our listeners to. Wow. So your, your pick on what those five are, but what would, what would those five be? For me, the name
2: five albums it, 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 I can do it, but it, it, it's going, I'm pulled from all different areas. Okay. Because that's a lessicon question. Okay. You know, you get to a point where if I say one of my favorite albums is Songs in the Key of Life, you're going to have someone say, Well, what do you think about interficients? <laughs> Which, by the way, Songs in the Key of Life, I think that should be every creative, especially if you record and produce your own music, that is the standard. Hmm. That is a true magnum opus. Mm -hmm. And then for my hip hoppers, yes, I am a huge Jay-Z fan. You got to have the blueprint. Because you you get an album that sees Sean Carter in transition. Production-wise, from top to bottom, through all the mixes and all the things, thriller. Underappreciated album for me, coming from my era, was a very unappreciated album. Jermaine pre Life in 1472, mm. and we had this conversation not too long ago. For my soul, the faith by the truth. This is that's an album. The reason why I call it a oddball album for those of you that may not be into Christian hip hop or to anything of that nature. You get someone. In Emmanuel Lambert, A.K.A. The Truth, that unapologetically preaches a message. You know that that to me, production-wise as well, with you know you know produ- producers like True Life, um, Rock Soul Productions. You know, for those of you who are actually know the lineage, that's one of the albums that I can go back to and say. This is what made me want to pay attention to the songs that I create. So that's just five of many. Yeah. Five of many. So,
0: yeah. Well, Patrick, thanks for
2: doing this, bud. I appreciate you for having me. Uh, thank you, Makai, for enjoying my, you know, long fortifications
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Sweet. Enjoyed it greatly. Thank yep. you. I appreciate you.
1: So, as a list-making podcast, we're always looking at lists, and of course, we've brought it up a million times—the Rolling Stone 2020 500 list. Mm-hmm.
0: Where does this album show up
1: in the top ten? Yeah, I mean, it, this one took a, a huge leap um, into the top ten, and I mean, that—that's what, what. What do you think about this record being in the top ten? greatest albums of all time songs of the key of life is on there purple rain is on there blood on the tracks and pet sounds abbey road miseducation of lauren hill
0: so here's what i'll say when i look at the top 20 i don't i don't know that i think miseducation of lauren hill is a top 10 album of all time but it's definitely it's definitely a top 100 album of all time. I think it's probably a top 50 album of all time. And even though I don't think it's a top 10 album of all time, it is it is not an album that feels out of place where it is in this position. So where where Rolling Stone placed Lemonade in the 2020 list was far more shocking to me than placing Miseducation of Lauren Hill in the top 10. This is this is not an album that feels out of place in those conversations of the greatest albums of all time. And and that's really, I mean, you want to talk about if there's a threshold we're talking about with this list. I mean, that that's that's it. I mean, we've I think we've we've kind of planted our flag in the ground with some episodes. We've we've been really honest about either artists or or eras of an artist's career that we feel like are deserving of more attention than they have gotten. Or, um, you know, as we did our deaf cat cutie episode, you know, albums, we think should be, uh, should, should take the rightful place among some of the best ever made, even though if they haven't been, um, but this has been a strange season so far for us because it really feels like we're going back and forth between albums that Rolling Stone does not acknowledge at all. Uh-huh. And, albums that are among the top 20 of all time. And so it really feels like we're kind of moving back and forth between these safe kind of canonical picks Mm -hmm. and kind of putting, you know, planting our flag in the ground and saying, no, 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 you, you forgot one. Um, but but this is not an album. Anyone forgets this, this is, this is not an album. If if you're talking about some of the best albums ever made, this is not an album that's going to get left off many people's list.
1: I mean, for me personally, like, it's not on my personal favorite 100, right? I have the CD, I have the record. I love this record. Like, I, I, I enjoy it a lot. I listen to it at least once a year. Yeah. Um, but it's just not personally in my top 100. So it's one that's I'm not going to make the case for it like I am Joni Mitchell, right? But this is, right, the blue of the 90s. This, I think, may be the closest record you have to blue, in the nineties, something that is from, Fair. uh, from a, a young woman who is just completely vulnerable mm-hmm. and
0: in a lot of similar uh, themes,
1: really. Yeah. A lot of similar themes of heartbreak and motherhood, right. Uh, very different perspectives on that, mm-hmm. but they're there nonetheless. And really early in the album, uh, where it's just like, Hey, you can either go here with me or you can dip out now, you know, um, so, but it, it it is one where, even though I'm not as enthusiastic as I am about like Joni Mitchell, right? It is like yes, this is undeniable. This is a top 100. It's in seeing it on like number 10. It's like, uh, eh, maybe not. But at the same time, I'm not mad. It's there. Like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue against it. But I'm like maybe that's you know. Oh yeah, it God. would it wouldn't be on
0: mine. And, and again, this is, I think one of those areas where I think you and I, I I kind of like that at the end of each season so far, we've made the point of compiling, of of ranking the albums based on what we think is the best, and then ranking the albums based on what we think are our favorites. This album would be in my top hundred favorites of all time. It would mm-hmm. not it, it it would not be high. It, I mean, it would be probably in the last twenty it'd be in that kind of 80 to 100 range. Um, but I but I do think easily, without a doubt, it's one of the 100 best and probably one of the 50 best albums yeah. to, to be made.
1: And I think that it's, it's kind of complicated for me to look at a record like this because I think that a number of the reasons why it's important come down to accolades. And I think that that can overshadow like, oh, it's really important because, you know, it's the first, you know, uh, first of its kind to win album of the year and to sell this many copies and to do this and that. And so that's what makes it historic.
0: Yeah, and I, Even in this, even in our conversation that we had with Patrick, like I, I feel like we we did talk about some of that, but I don't feel like any of that was, was a huge part of our conversation. And even as I think about this, I'm like, yeah, it's the first quote unquote hip hop album to to win album of the year. And and it is one of the three greatest selling female artists albums of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I, I don't know that that in and of itself is the reason why I, I think it's as great as it is.
1: One reason, I mean, it's this is the same thing with thriller. One reason why people look at the thriller is they can be like, Oh, it won a historic number of Grammys that night is the best selling album of all time. Like, it, this it, is, these are, these are two reasons why, yeah. Thriller is important before you get to the music videos, the live performance that, you know, like before you get to Motown 25, right. You can just say, Hey, just look at this stuff, you know? So, you know, I, I think that my point in saying this is that I think that it gets the kind of designation of being a, like a historic album because it has those accolades. But I think if it, if it hadn't been nominated for a Grammy, I still think it's a top 100 greatest album of all time. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, so Micaiah, our question, is this deserving of being in our list?
1: I mean, we both said it. I mean, of course, this is one that, this is one of our no brainers Mm -hmm. for this season. You know, there's the, we're not going to get in any kind of trouble for putting this one on, unless there's someone out there who says, you know, well, you need to have this and the score Uh, Well, unfortunately, those are just not the rules that we're playing by. But I am curious, and I've thought about this. Will we make an exception for NWA and Dre? Are they so different that we can make room for Straight Outta Compton and The Chronic? I mean, that's just a little teaser for next season, but that's something for us to think about. Yeah. I,
0: I'll be honest. If you had to choose between the two, I think I would take the chronic over straight Outta our Compton in, 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 and maybe, and maybe that's also because I was 13 when the chronic came out, I was nine when straight Outta a Compton came out and mm-hmm. for obvious reasons, I, I I had much greater exposure in the moment to the chronic than I did to straight Outta Compton. Sure. Um, you know, especially growing up in, in my very conservative religious household, you know, there, there there wasn't a lot of listening to NWA going on in my household when I was a kid.
1: We have P-Funk and G-Funk represented on here. Um, and, I mean, it, it'd be hard to talk me out of not including an album with Fuck the Police on it, uh, personally. But, I mean, I I, I go back and forth but that nwa record is it's pretty great it's oh, it's pretty, I, mean, it? I
0: mean it's looking it's, it's, it's album so who knows and and maybe maybe we'll see a bonus episode about the score later this season or, or early next season and we'll have that conversation but for right now i think i think miseducational Learned hills is obvious and
1: yeah no uh, brainer
0: yeah it's a no brainer well listener what do you think tell us what you think about this album. Uh, again, this is a no brainer pick We're we're assuming that you're going to completely agree with us having this in our list. If you disagree, we want to hear from you. What are your reasons why? Um, and, and man, I hope they're good.
1: Yeah. Uh, MTV unplugged people show yourselves. Yeah. Let's, I mean, come on
0: there. There's, I mean, there there is, there is some newer material on that, you know, hints, hints at a second album that never came. Listener, we're going to leave you now. Uh, we, of course, want you to reach out to us on Instagram at YouForgotOne, on Twitter at YouForgotOnePod. Of course, our website, YouForgotOne.com. Remember to uh, like, subscribe, favorite follow whatever it is you do on your, uh, favorite podcasting platform. Um, and please leave us a review and a rating. Um, and that helps other people to find the podcast. And we're going to leave you now with the title track, the, the closer of the album, the way that McKay and I were talking about it today, the miseducation of Lauren Hill. We'll leave you now with that song and we'll see you next week.
3: Today, the past, it seems so far away And life squeezes so tight that I can't breathe And every time I've tried to be What someone else thought of me So caught up I was unable to to achieve But deep in my heart of my mind to define my own destiny